from climate change to the pandemic, we sometimes feel we are being called to make huge life changes. And we generally do not want to do that. But perhaps we just need to make incremental small changes. Join with me as we discuss just a bit to the left. Hi, Paul Shepard here, and welcome back to the channel. You know, some people think that having faith means believing a bunch of things that you know are impossible. But here at Rational Christianity, we take a rational approach to understanding Christianity. We combine history, science, the Bible, and an understanding of human nature to make Christianity make sense. Everyone is welcome here. Does anyone here like listening to preachers on the radio? When I was wrapping up my ministry in Mimico and preparing for a new ministry in Rexdale, I decided I should listen to Christian radio in the car when I could. I'm not completely sure why I did that, but something about the language that was used by the search committee in my new church during my interviews suggested to me that my new congregation might take a slightly more classic traditional outlook on the Bible and faith. So I figured I'd better learn some new language before I showed up. And I thought listening to radio preachers might be helpful. Now, whether or not that was a sensible idea, I did learn a few things in the process. I learned that radio preachers preach long sermons. Well, some days I wondered if they actually preach short sermons, but they preach them multiple times without sitting down in between. They believe in the technique of repetition to drive their points home. Radio preachers generally try to engage with people's emotions, but at a somewhat vague level, which is only fair, I suppose, because they do not know who is listening. But what I learned most of all is that all of the sermons ended with the same punchline. I mean, sure, there were variations of that, but the exciting, dramatic conclusion to every single sermon was some version of give your life to Jesus or give your heart to Jesus or put your faith in Jesus. And the more sermons that I heard, the more I started to dislike that ending. Now, to be clear, it's not that I disagree with those statements. I agree fully that we should give our hearts to Jesus. That's not my problem. My problem is that give your heart to Jesus is a metaphor. And I think the preacher should help us all figure out what we actually need to do in slightly more concrete terms. I don't think that ending a sermon with a metaphor is helpful enough. And that's why I preach and have preached on a variety of concrete topics, including the need to stop recycling for the sake of the environment, the need to stop eating animals, the need to fight racism, the need to consider deeply our human attraction to war, and other topics you might have thought had no place in church. But for me, it's all an effort to put real flesh on the metaphor, give our hearts to Jesus. It's an attempt to talk about making actual, possible, doable life changes to help be and bring the kingdom of God to Brantford or wherever you happen to live. Here, now. It's about everyone finding their own healing here, now. Some weeks, given the biblical text and what is happening on our streets, that task can be pretty easy. But most times, it is not. And it really does not help that we have all heard these biblical stories so many times. 
because we are perhaps used to hearing these stories and let them roll off our backs, thinking that the stories cannot possibly apply to us. This week, we discuss the story of Jesus calling the fishers. But actually, there are two different versions of that story, and the two versions give us completely different messages. One version of the story is quite irrational. That version makes it sound as if we should abandon common sense and follow Jesus on blind faith. The other version is quite rational, really. That version does not call for blind faith. It calls us to open our eyes and make incremental, progressive changes. Since this podcast is called Rational Christianity, you can guess that I prefer the rational version of the story. But let's start by discussing the irrational version. This is found in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Matthew. And both Gospels follow the same basic storyline. In both Mark and Matthew, well in Luke too actually, the first steps of Jesus' ministry are laid out the same. In Mark and Matthew, the first three steps are this. First off, Jesus goes to be baptized by John the baptizer. After that, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted. And right after that, Jesus calls the fishers to follow him. In fact, let's read the whole of the Jesus calling the fishers story, starting at Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Quote, As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. End quote. That's the entire story. And the story in Matthew is essentially the same. In both Matthew and Mark, it sounds as if Jesus was a completely unknown person who wanders down a beach, tells some fishers to leave their boats and follow him, and they do it. The fishers do not appear to deliberate. They do not ask Jesus who he is or what his credentials are. They don't ask what the pay is like. They do not ask if they will get lunch breaks. You know, they don't even ask Jesus how long he wants them for. Does Jesus want them for an hour or the rest of the day or a year? Who knows? They just follow. This has led to countless sermons where the preacher said that the story is about following Jesus blindly on faith. The call to follow Jesus seems like a leap of faith, not something we can be rational about. But I have a problem with that interpretation. Well, okay, I guess it's two problems. Well, I suppose it's actually three problems. I'm going to stop counting. One problem is that if we are called to blind faith, does that just mean we should act on any whim that strikes us, imagining that the whim is from God? I mean, even if we accept the challenge of blind faith, how exactly do we know which of our whims come from God? I get a lot of whims, and I'm sure you do too. How do we decide which ones to act on? The second problem is that when we hear the message about being called to blind faith, I think most of us tune out, because we really do not know how to do that. I mean, as a metaphor, it's fine, but we struggle to imagine any real action based on the idea of blind faith. That way of reading the story lets us off the hook, because we can decide that the message cannot possibly apply to us. And a third problem is that there's no reason to be irrational here anyway. 
we just need to read Luke's version of the story of Jesus calling the fishers, and it will make a lot more sense. And that's why I think the version in Luke is a much better story. Luke's version does not require a leap of faith. And because of that, spoiler alert, we are not let off the hook either. Luke's version of the story just might apply to us after all. You've been warned. Of course, like with most good stories, the story starts before the story starts. Luke agrees with Mark and Matthew that the first two steps in Jesus' adult narrative are Jesus' baptism followed by his time in the wilderness. But in Luke, after his wilderness experience, Jesus does not call the fishers, not right away. In Luke, after his wilderness experience, Jesus travels around the country, teaching in different synagogues. Then Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit. Then Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. Then Jesus continues to preach throughout Judea. His preaching is provocative enough that he even gets run out of town sometimes. So we know Jesus was doing something meaningful. And then, after all of that, Jesus calls the fishers. So here's Luke's version of calling the fishers, which begins at Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Quote, Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there on the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long and have caught nothing. But if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knee, saying, Get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. End quote. So in Luke's story, by the time Jesus gets around to calling the fishers, Jesus is already a well-known public figure who has been teaching and healing. And more than that, the fishers were actually already Jesus' friends. So here's a more rational way to hear the entire story. Step one, Jesus came to John the baptizer and was baptized. I think we can all agree that's where the story starts. But in Luke's version, we can say that then, after being baptized, over time, Jesus became a well-known and trusted member of John's group. When John was arrested, Jesus took over the leadership of the group. And then, over time, Jesus took the group in a new direction. So Jesus calling the fishers may simply have been a way to announce that Jesus was now in charge of the group, this group of friends who Jesus had already been working with. Now, why do we care about all this? 
Is anything going to come out of this that makes this long preamble worthwhile? Well, I hope so. But at the least, I can tell you why I care about this. I care about this because it completely changes the metaphor of the story. The story of calling the fishers is not a call to abandon rational thought and embrace blind faith. Jesus was not calling unknown fishers into an unknown project. Jesus was calling the fishers, who were already his friends, to continue the ministry that they were already doing together. Yes, over time, to take it in a new direction, but to build on an existing ministry. Jesus called his friends to continue to adapt, to grow, not to start from scratch. Jesus was calling his friends to make incremental changes to their collective ministry because John was no longer around. And Jesus starts by making an incremental change to their method of fishing. Jesus tells the fishers, who already knew what they were doing, to go out into deeper waters in order to find fish. And the fishers, because they already trust Jesus, do so. And they find more fish than they can handle. Here at Sydenham Heritage United Church, we are a lot like that too. Most of us here have known each other for a long time. There are many friendships in this congregation. There are a lot of good people in this congregation. And we have been doing ministry together for a long time. Now, granted, some of you might still think of me as the new guy to some extent, because COVID has limited our ability to get to know each other well. But this community has been engaged in ministry for a long time. And we, too, are being called into deeper waters. As one example, many of our long-standing outreach activities are not really working right now. Perhaps some of us have given up hope. But perhaps we are called to move to deeper waters and to keep fishing. In practical terms, this means finding, creating, or partnering with new people and new activities that can serve both Brantford and this congregation. The point is we are not being called to start from scratch. We are simply called to continue our work together in deeper waters. The title of this podcast episode is Just a Bit to the Left. What did you think I was going to be talking about? What were you thinking about? Well, I hope you are thinking along the lines of a road sign with squiggly lines on it because we are on a journey and we continue to move forward. We just need to do a little wiggle. We just need to go a bit to the left. We need incremental changes in our ministries in order to make them work better. Now, true, there may be some completely new projects we want to try that really do require big changes. But I believe that most of the changes we need to make are incremental, small, doable, possible. We just need to go a bit to the left. Whatever the metaphor, give your heart to Jesus, means here in Brantford or wherever you live, it is not a call to do something completely new and off the wall. We do not need to look for insane new ideas that we do not want to do. We need to be open to incremental changes that need to new opportunities and new life. Opportunities that are only just that little bit beyond our grasp today. We do not need blind faith. We do not need blindness at all. In fact, we need to open our eyes and hearts to the needs of our community. I know it's always exciting to dream up fancy big new projects, and those are great too. 
But let us not overlook the small changes each of us can make that will make a big difference in someone's life. From a phone call to an offer to eat with someone who is feeling isolated, just reach out. Actions do not have to be big to have a big impact. Don't do nothing because you cannot do everything. Do something simple. It will be huge. Amen. Hi again, and thanks for joining in today. I'm Rev. Dr. Paul Shepard, a minister with the United Church of Canada, currently serving at Sydenham Heritage United Church in Brantford, Ontario. I'm also an environmental scientist with a PhD in physics, and I am passionate about making Christianity make sense to people. Please subscribe to the channel, and feel free to visit the church, either in person or online. You might also enjoy my book, Evolving Christianity, which is about taking a scientific, rational approach to Christianity in order to fight racism and other social diseases. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you next time.